0: Jesus said, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Every good endeavor is a gift from God, Here on Faith Marketplace Radio, you'll be inspired, equipped, and encouraged in your work as you hear business leaders share how their faith impacts their work. Joining us every Saturday at noon on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, for Faith Marketplace Radio, here are your hosts, Bob Lambert and Jennifer Villarreal.
1: Hey, we're back here, another glorious Saturday in the heartbeat of the country and the whole uh, whole world. You know, Chicago, Illinois, we emanate out here at AM 1160. Right here in Elk Grove Village, every Saturday, noon to one o'clock. Go out there and visit our website, faithmarketplace.com. You're going to see lots of resources out there and over six years of, of um, podcasts of all the interviews we've had. And we've had fabulous people, and today is no exception. I got a fabulous guest in the studio. You're probably wondering where my wonderful co host is, Jennifer Villarreal. Well, she got married and she's on her honeymoon, so she's not with us today. She's abandoned me now for about a month, so I've got to kind of wing my way through all this. But we're, we're, we're soldiering on, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make it. Uh, I got this special guest today. I met, um, geez, I guess about four or five months ago, right? Oh. And uh, I'd like to introduce you to Ken Cox. Uh, I believe you're title CEO, right? Correct. Uh, CEO of the Cox Family Holdings. And boy, what a story. You guys better strap it on. He's got some <laughs> stories today. We're going to have a lot of fun. Ken, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Why don't you give our audience a little bit of your background? Did you grow up in a
2: faith family? Did you go to church? What 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 was going on with you as a kid? Well, I think we were what you would call a priester Okay. As yeah. many people know, uh, we went to church on holidays, generally. Okay. So did not grow up in a, in a home in which there was a, a solid faith foundation. Okay. Uh, it was interesting later in life to find out that my dad actually thought about becoming a minister. And really? So, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot to this story, folks. Uh Ken and I
1: had a wonderful lunch together, probably a couple hours we spent together. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, it, believe me, the whole story was quite something. So um, kind of your upbringing then, too, from the standpoint of this whole business you're in and everything like that. I don't know, what, what was about that?
2: Well, the business, uh, my dad actually started it in 1981. And so I was watching him from... Uh, a distance. I was actually in the work program in high school, mm-hmm. and and so I was off in the electronics field, and was recognizing that I didn't really like school, and to stay up with the electronics field, I was going to have to learn this integrated circuitry, which meant that I was going to have to go back to school. Right. So I had this brilliant idea to ask my dad to let me come in with him on this new startup business that he had. So in 1983, he allowed me to come in with him with a nice, healthy pay cut because Mm -hmm. he was a school of hard knocks kind of guy. (laughs) Yeah. And so I came in with him and then uh, took over the business. Oh, wow.
1: And what was that business? What was he? What was the startup company about?
2: Yeah, so he was uh, he was with Nalco Chemical Company, and mm-hmm. he had some ideas that were very novel on how to create uh, these drift reduction products, so reducing drift when spraying pesticides, mm-hmm. uh, to use those uh, those new formulas to really help the farmers for an ease of use, I, I would say. Um, and so he, the problem was he started playing both sides of the fence by working mm. at Nalco and then introducing these products all at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, And that's the kind of guy he was. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so uh, so he introduced those products. They were very user-friendly and they started to take off, but he was strictly selling them to direct to uh, aerial applicators, so okay, the, the sure. crop dusters. Mm-hmm. And so that was the mode of business to get it started. So
1: was what he in- innovated was that uh, while he was at Nelco, that he innovated this stuff.
2: Yep, and they correct. didn't
1: want anything to do with it.
2: He did. I think, if I recall right, he did originally talk with them about some of his concepts, and mm-hmm. and they really didn't have much interest in it.
1: Ah, so yeah. he pretty much pursued it on his own. Correct. Okay. Well, that's cool. So it sounds like he's quite an innovative guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. However, he was working for one company while he was actually (laughs) selling a competitive product, which wasn't the most, uh, you know. Ethical
1: thing in the world. Yeah, well, I can understand because we're going to get into a little bit more of that story down the road. So, uh, hey, you know, as we get into this a lot with our clients, and especially uh, from the perspective of of the work that you do, um, tell me why you're so passionate about this and what led to your passion for it for business itself?
2: Yeah. yeah, for business itself and some of the things that you shared with us. Yeah. So, uh, so my passion grew over time as I started to uh, get involved in this business and and take our products and develop tank farms and, uh, and production lines. I really started to become passionate about all of the different elements of commercializing products, developing wow. yeah, developing products. Uh it was interesting because I would I would spend time with different manufacturers and I was just a sponge. That was actually one of the areas that I remember my dad affirming me on was that I would be a sponge and then I would take these creative ideas and actually implement them. And so I remember one of my first tanks where I was blending up new formulations I was creating and I was actually just making little Sharpie marks on the outside while I was creating these formulas, nothing real precise. but. It all started right there, and I started to then diversify our product lines as a result of that. And next thing you know, you know, we're manufacturing 6,000, 12,000 gallons at a time of these particular products. Wow.
1: So some of the innovation was yours then through this process that you came up with some of these formulas and some of
2: this stuff. So for a guy that didn't like school much, how did you you get all this learning, Ken? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in school, I really didn't like what I was learning. Okay. But, But once I got into business, all of a sudden I became passionate and I started to, you know, I didn't go very far with math. Uh, but in business in in formulation, all of a sudden, I started doing you know all kinds of different calculations <laughs> and I was learning math along the way too. Wow. So I was stepping into areas that I just really had no interest in earlier on. Yeah, what's kind of cool about that is once you got passionate, though, all of a sudden those became important, right
1: yeah absolutely and, and I know this will be part of our conversation later on that these things when you follow your passion or your purpose, then all of a sudden you know it's amazing how, God lights you up with that kind Absolutely. of thing. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. when you do that. Um, you know, we, we also talked a, bit, a little bit about some difficult transitions that you had, you know, in, in part of our conversation. Is there some some of these you could share with the audience?
2: Yeah, there's there's been a number of times where I've had what I call life gates, mm-hmm. and one of those happened in the late 90s where I, I had joined my first peer advisory group, and I started to recognize that there was a – there was a lot of individuals within that group that were very much focused on either growing their business or the status associated with it, and a lot of it felt very shallow to me. Oh, this is a secular group, right? Uh, this yeah. was a secular group, right. correct? Um, thanks for that clarification. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started asking questions of of a lot of the different uh, uh, peer advisors. You know, why they're you know why they're doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, and what's at the end of whatever it is that they're shooting for and i remember a few of the guys one of them specifically said to me a uh, question well are, are you talking about feelings and i said <laughs> <laughs> <go>, what <"Well>, yeah <laughs> yeah because i want to know because yeah. there's a triangle here that everyone is shooting for and there's only so much room at the top of that triangle mm-hmm. so what's really the purpose behind this there was something in my spirit that had shifted where I'm like, this doesn't feel right to me. Mm. Now, there were a couple of gentlemen in the group, and it was interesting that they were both Jewish, Mm. and they both encouraged me to move in a couple of different directions. One of them gave me uh, Man's Search for Meaning, which Mm -hmm. was just a wonderful little book, and then uh, Tuesdays with Maury. Yeah. And so those were both really helpful at that stage. Another gentleman invited me to go to the Center for Creative Leadership out in Colorado. Uh, Right. And that was a tough program for me, yeah. Because I was uh, staring, looking out the windows at the mountains, and I could see a reflection of the person that I was. Really, and I didn't like what I saw. Well, wow, Now, were you a Christian at that time? And I was not. Oh, okay, I was not. Uh, so, but, this, this steps along the path here, huh? Yeah, and that really opened me up. I had been going uh, to church, to a Catholic church, with my ex-wife, so mm-hmm. I, I had some level of understanding of there's a. There's a faith foundation that exists out there, but I was mm-hmm. not a believer. Now, when we went to Center for Creative Leadership, when I went to there, um, I started recognizing that there's a balance-related issue. Mm-hmm. And I did have a CEO at the time, at, uh, so I had already moved out of uh, – no, excuse me. I had a right-hand person who was my COO at the time. Mm-hmm. Um who had talked to me about balance and mm. she had made mention about God in mm. in that balance. And so when I went out to Center for Creative Leadership and they really, you know, struck this whole chord of you're at the center of this circle and this circle really needs to be balanced with Your family, your faith, your community, your friends, all of these different aspects, including, of course, your vocation. Mm -hmm. You know, I recognized that I was very much out of balance and that I had emotionally abandoned my family because of how focused I was on work. Work was everything to me at that point. That was probably systemic because of your dad, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, And he, you know, for him, he was always a a hard driver Mm -hmm. on work. Um, I I learned that at an early age. He used to take me into Chicago when I was just a a teen and I'd have to work on apartment buildings on the weekends with him, getting up Mm -hmm. at five in the morning. And so I lost a lot of my childhood as a result of hard work, his belief in hard work. So the one thing that really, you know, wound up abusing me was also something that created a foundation for me when it came to really getting uh, living by purpose when it came to the work itself.
1: Yeah. And that's carried over now for what we'll get into the purpose and passion that you have Correct. For, for, for doing some of the stuff you do. Yep. You know, I, I grew up the same way. Hard work, you know, that was uh, that was a big song. I started working when I was 10, you know, and and. Like you, missed some of my childhood, you know, mm-hmm. my adult, young adulthood too, for, because it was so focused on getting to wherever that was, you know, and and finding out there I, I arrived, and so what, you know, <laughs> what is there here, right, absolutely. Um, you also had a little, uh, kind of something that happened to you, kind of a family tragedy uh, out of coming out of this whole creative, center of creative
2: uh, uh, leadership, didn't you? Yes, correct, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I recognized while I was there that I had a lot of anger uh, towards my dad. And my thought at that time was that I need to, um, I need to forgive him. Okay, and came out of that, and what I didn't recognize was that my marriage was actually failing as well. Wow, we're going to get into that in the next segment. Yeah. Hey, folks, you got to stay tuned here because
1: I'm going to be bringing Ken back. He's got the whole show with us today, and it's going to be a terrific show. Again, get out there and check out our website faithmarketplace.com. We have all the podcasts out there for oh, going on seven years now. I can't believe it. Uh, it's terrific shows that we have out there, uh, and I'm going to come back with a couple special offers for you too. So you really got to stay tuned, you know, to get
0: get. Get in on these offers and we're going to be right back with ken cox this is chicagoland's place to inspire equip and encourage christian business leaders faith marketplace radio hey we're back with my special guest
1: ken cox he is a ceo of cox family holdings which means they got a whole bunch of companies that he's holding you know and, and he's got a terrific uh, organization but, you know, uh, we got into a little bit of a sensitive area after you came out of this leadership conference in Colorado. You're staring out the window. You started seeing your reflection, and you didn't like what you saw. But you kind of got a surprise out of that,
2: didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the, the greatest tragedies of my life was divorce, mm. and I didn't see it coming, mm-hmm. and, and yet it was there. And so I went through uh, a personal uh, struggle that actually led to me hearing God's voice for the first time. Wow. I remember that I was really exercising as I was watching my uh, marriage fail, and I was actually on a bike, and I was listening to uh, John Eldridge's book. Uh-huh. And I remember pausing on the audio book and, and just asking God, God, am I am I meant to be a warrior? Because I remember Eldridge was all right. about the warrior oh, stuff. Yeah. And, and instead of hearing what I thought he was going to say, I heard him say, you're a dad. Mm. And I remember pausing in that moment thinking, wait a minute, this isn't what I was asking you. And I said, just a dad. And then I heard and almost audibly him say, no, a father. Mm. And I knew in that moment what I needed to do. And so the CEO or COO that I referred to earlier became the CEO of the agricultural chemical company. And I stepped down and I became a stay at home dad. Wow. And so I started focusing on my children Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I, uh, that led me into uh, leading a divorce recovery ministry once uh-huh. I, once I had my own healing first. Right. Uh, and so I started leading a divorce recovery for Willow Creek Crystal Lake mm-hmm. for that regional. Wow. And so was helping people with their own divorces. Wow. And how long did you do that for? Okay. So I led that ministry for about five years. Wow. Yeah. And so that helped with your healing, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it
1: did. It did. That'd be terribly meaningful for other people, you sharing your story about mm-hmm. the neglect and things that led to that whole thing, right? Absolutely. And how it got you by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not terribly surprising, because oftentimes we are in you know this whole different world or realm, as I call it, or... Mm-hmm. Um, but also something very significant came out of all that, too, that led you to the, a, a big passion you have and some leadership now with another organization, which I've gone through.
2: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. over the years, I, um, I recognized that a big part of, um, of, my, of my transformation in life and transformation in leaders is just this continuing education. Mm-hmm. And so I wound up going through uh, Cloud and Townsend's Ultimate Leadership uh, I wound up then engaging uh, spiritual formation through two two-year stints through uh, Ruth Haley Barton's program, The Transforming Community. And then I wound up going to the Crucible Project, you which go. you two went uh, yep. as well. Yeah, and you really gotten into a, quite a leadership
1: role. And we're going to get into that in a little bit okay. more. But, you know, you made an important statement as I read through some of the stuff that you shared with me, you know, that you, um, you had to, in your company with this prosperity that you were experiencing mm-hmm. – uh, you know, in in your spirituality, but there
2: was something else that you had to—you really had to get in alignment with. What was that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that that I did over time, you know, as a as a business leader, I had a real struggle where I was living by that adage of working in my business rather than on my business, mm-hmm. and so over time, I recognized that I needed to detach and gain perspective, which I did through peer advisory groups, then right. convene. Uh, but then I needed to really surround myself with a, a greater board than what I had. I had advisory councils in the past, and so I brought in a board, and I actually, to gain perspective, stepped back from the chairman role and brought in someone who had great expertise in that area, mm. who was uh, uh, who was solid in finances as okay. well as in um, his engagement in the National Christian Foundation. Uh and so what he did was he mentored me in a few areas, got me engaged with John Reinhart with gospel patrons. Mm. And I started reading John's book, and it really opened up this level of awareness of how we are called to gospel patrons and mm-hmm. to be strategic in what we do uh, on that front. To For for whatever it is that we become a gospel patron, to have that become aligned with our purpose. Right. And so that really changed my life because I realized that if my – if my giving does not align with my spirituality, I, I'm I'm really going to be lost.
1: Okay, so it really gave me a lot more purpose around what do I do with this financial resource I have and this gift that God gave me? That how am I going to really leverage that for the kingdom? Right. Correct. Yeah. Along, along with time and talents. Right. Too. Along with time yeah. and talents. Yeah. That's that's great. Well, that's why we're we're soul brothers here, because, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what, uh, you know, my uh, 10 years or decade in C12 gave me and a lot of other things since that time. And wonderful guests like yourself have poured into me. So along the way, John, I know that we've painted kind of a glorious picture a little bit, you know, but uh, let's talk about some of those challenges, those challenges you've had along the way.
2: Yeah. So uh, after the divorce um, coming 2004, uh, September 2004, I got a phone call uh, from my sister and my wife that something had happened with my parents. We quite, mm. weren't quite sure what had transpired. Uh, so I started driving towards my parents' house. And by the time I got there, the police were on site and my, my father had attempted to murder my mom. Wow. And this wow. Happened. Yeah. This happened out of nowhere. I, I never saw it coming. Wow. Um, and so my, what I've come to understand over time and a lot of research is, is that my dad uh, displays a lot of antisocial personality uh, uh-huh. tendencies. Okay. Yeah, and so as I began to understand that, I started to put it together for the way that you know my my childhood went, the way that Mm. I was raised. Okay. And by embracing that and really doing the research and and embracing the wounds around that, it really wound up creating a foundation of meaning for my life. Mm. Something that I struggled to understand throughout all of those different uh, experientials that I'd gone through until I finally went to a program called the crucible project. Right, And when I went, uh, when I went there, I was able to see things more clearly Mm -hmm. and was able to then move beyond the emotional blocks that were really preventing me from living the life that I wanted to live. Yeah. Um, and that has been, of course, as we've talked about, has been a journey itself ever since. Yeah. And, and I want to get a little deeper in that for
1: people mm-hmm. to, to get, the, you know, because you've had some profound things happen to you. I did also, you know, when I went through the initial. But you've also really become an integral part of that organization, too. So I want to really reach out to our audience and particularly the men and women because you have mm-hmm. men and women programs out there to let them get a little bit deeper, more meat on the as to what this thing really is, okay. what that whole thing really is. So um that had to be pretty traumatic for you where you're faced with your dad
2: trying to murder your mother? Yeah. Holy yeah. smokes. What came out of that? Did he was it just an accident or No no he nope, um you know? nope. <laughs> I'm not sure about premeditation or, mm-hmm. or anything that went behind it, but um uh but somehow he had decided that his life would be better if he ended her life. And wow. Yeah. uh, We got to a point, um, you know, shortly thereafter where, you know, detectives are trying to figure it out. They're wanting me to wear wires. I Mm -hmm. mean, we, it was just a very surreal experience. It Mm -hmm. even went to a point where he said that I must have done it because we were in business together. Oh, my goodness. And they're having to check my alibi and. Uh, he aligned himself with an attorney that I believe, you know, really was very similar to my dad in the way that he was antisocial mm. and and went after us for near three years that we went through that. Sounds like it kind of was a social path then. Would you yep.
1: kind of characterize that? That's, yeah.
2: When I say antisocial, that's yep. what I'm referring to. That's what to. you're referring yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what was the what's the end game on that whole thing? Did it it just pass or? Well, happened? he's he's in prison. Oh, he is. Uh, he was okay. convicted in 2007. Wow. Um, you know, it was. Pretty clear to the rest of us, except he he fought it all along the way and using right. the system with the money that he had, he was mm-hmm. able to game it. So, how long is he going to be in prison? Well, he actually gets out uh, in the next between twenty twenty two or twenty twenty five. I'm not quite sure when. And how's your relationship with him now? I've never
1: talked with him since. Really? Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: That is pretty traumatic. You, you've uh, I, t- I warned you folks. This is going to be tr- mm. you know one of those things today. Uh, Okay. And one of the other things that was profound to me that I I saw and read to you that you started working and and maybe it was this experience out there in Colorado. Who
2: am I? Mm -hmm. Who I am? Yeah. Help us understand that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, before I began this whole journey of transformation, I really didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I find that a lot of people, you know, question, who am I? Right, And they really don't know. Uh, They will engage different things in their life to try to create some level of purpose in Mm -hmm. their lives. And I've watched this over and over again, and I've studied it and I've read books on it. and, And I've kind of pieced together my own thoughts in this regard is that You know, many people try to create purpose without embracing their story. And so by embracing your life story and creating meaning, you can finally then figure out who you are through a transformative process like that. And once you start to then recognize in your story that there is this silver lining, it can then lead you to finding your greater purpose. Mm -hmm. But purpose will implode if you do not find meaning first. If you try to fight your story and not embrace it. Purpose will generally implode on you.
1: But I, I think you would say that it takes somebody that has a lot of transparency and somebody that's willing to let go and really kind of look inward, right? Absolutely. At that point, you really got to be yeah. able to take and peel the onion back and really be open to some of the work and the hard work that you've done. Yeah. And I know it's in uh, in, in my case also. It's painful. This <laughs> isn't yes, easy, is. especially when you're an A-type, you're running a business, yeah. to be able to kind of see all the warts and pimples, you know, and everything else that's going on there. That's yours. And then own it you know, um, and and really recognize that. But to your point, what you said, something I thought was really cool is who am I As inverted as to this is who am I in Christ? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So coming to the Lord. When did you come to the Lord again? When did you have the the finally... uh Become a yeah, Christ
2: follower? Officially 2002, but I, <laughs> okay. I I received him during the middle of the divorce in 2001. Okay,
1: yeah. that's great. Yeah. Hey, well, listen, I promise you you got some goodies out there, so I want you to text us at 224-404-1988. We got giveaways. We got lots of giveaways in our closet, and we want you to get out there, and the keyword is gift, okay? So get out there and text us at 224-404-1988 with the keyword GIFT and with that you're going to get surprises we got plenty of stuff out here to give you away and the station's even given us stuff to give away but I want you to uh, get out there and do that and also just get out there and check out our website especially that donation button out there that's how this ministry is, is uh, funded uh, we need your help and your support out there to continue our ministry here in the show and um, You know, like anything, um, you know, it takes a a lot of people to build a village out there, and we're one of those, hopefully, that's a village for you out there. So we're going to be right back again with my special guest, Ken Cox.
0: This is Chicagoland's place to inspire, equip, and encourage Christian business leaders. Faith Marketplace Radio. Hey, we're back here with our special guest,
1: Ken Cox of Cox Family Holdings. And uh, one of the things we like to know, obviously, you're deepened your faith now and all that, but how do you incorporate that, your faith and work now
2: and in the work that you're doing? Let's say in the in a corporate sense and all mm-hmm. that. What do, you, what do you do? Yeah, so faith in the corporate sense is just really evolving over the last number of years. Um, we, ha- as a board... Uh, really work hard to bring our faith into the board itself. And so we do that in the beginning of our board meetings through uh, prayer. We'll, of course, mm-hmm. stop for prayer throughout the board meeting, as as we feel called. Uh, we really get into a relational building segment uh, during each board meeting. And mm-hmm. so we'll cover a number of different topics to really start to um, know each other at a, at a different level or to bring about levels of awareness. One of the most recent things we've been undertaken was uh, a mentor of mine has been uh, Cliff Berry through Shadow Work Organization. And so, uh, if people are familiar with Enneagram, shadow work is is a, a really detailed way of, um, you know, a hybrid of the Enneagram system. And so we've engaged looking at our shadow types uh, okay. together and brought in consultants. And so we've really incorporated a lot to grow our emotional health so that the board functions ah. in a very, you know, progressive nature. We, uh, uh, you know, then we work hard on clearing things up with each other in, yep. in, in some stronger emotional intelligence types of tools. Well, one of the things we didn't get into,
1: because I mean, people might be confused about
2: this board. I mean, you have
1: a number of companies. So right. I'm assuming this board mean you're talking about are the heads of those companies coming together and sitting through this thing or not?
2: Not the heads of the company. Okay. No, no, no head of the com- of a, an individual or, um, entity would okay. actually sit on the board. And okay. so these are specific board members. Now, the holding company CEO, or excuse me, uh, he's been COO, uh, has is now on the board itself as an advisor but not a voting member
1: okay so these are independent people away from the business that you have on this board basically they're helping you navigate through all the businesses and everything like that correct and and
2: is the board comprised of uh christians and non-christians yeah so we are all christian at this point um even at the entity level all of our ceos are christians Ah. that's not a requirement of course And yet, I think with the uh, with the values that we have in place, that it's just something that winds up fitting. Yeah, and I'm assuming people are attracted to that. I believe yeah. so. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I've heard that from a number of, of folks when they do that kind of stuff. So, um, one of the things I wanted to do too is um, we're going to get into that a little bit in a minute with the, this this hobby of yours. Mm-hmm. But. Um, One of the things I was particularly impressed by, Ken, is that you guys are really stewards and you have a big responsibility with the work you're doing, chemicals and and agriculture and all that, uh, with the environment. So why don't you share
2: a little bit real quick about what you're doing in that area? Yeah. So a big focus of ours over the last number of years has been to look at sustainability. Mm -hmm. And so we started to do quite a bit of work in the area of water resources, Okay. And so we want to make sure that we're protecting the water resources, which have you know become an even greater concern in this country. You're right. seeing valleys in you know California that are dropping because they keep drilling down lower wells in mm-hmm. an attempt to reach water. And so we've produced some new innovative products that, Uh, reduce the amount of water that's needed by as much as 30% with increased yields. Wow. And so right now we're beginning to commercialize that product. We've even split it off into its own company called Tria Global Solutions. Right. And we're very excited about what that can offer both from, uh, you know, both from a business standpoint, but also in helping third world countries as well.
1: Now, are are you international in scope with your firm? We are. Okay. So you're servicing the whole world. Correct. Okay. That's awesome. That is so cool. Um, You got a favorite life verse, and it happens to be
2: one of mine, too. So why don't you share that with the audience? Yep. So Philippians 4, 6 through 7, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How did
1: that become a favorite verse for
2: you? Divorce. Ah, uh, there you go. Okay, so now we know. Yeah, that's.
1: Uh, I'm an anxious guy sometimes, and this really calms me down. With that, mm-hmm. and then uh, Matthew uh, five, six, or Matthew five twenty five, yeah, or six twenty five. Um, you know, um, birds of the year and all that stuff is yeah. spinning and everything. And I think, okay, okay I, I got nothing to worry about, you know, because he's going to take care of things. Uh, what, what, what words of wisdom would you give to a younger self with all the experience
2: and the stuff you've gone through? Yeah, I think one of the main things that I would encourage my younger self is, you know, with courage is to really step through, um, you know, with whatever strength that I could muster and allow God's light to shine on those dark areas of my life. Those Mm -hmm. patterns of behaviors that are existing. Um, There were a lot of destructive things that I have that took place in my life, and I believe that I narcissistically powered up. Uh, and, and if you sure. understand the enneagram, on an enneagram yep. eight, and so enneagram eights tend to you know watch dysfunction happen and trauma, and then they go, I need, I just need to get busy, uh, and so I got busy, and I became an expediter. and I really, I, over time, I I started to see you know the 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 meaning behind what Martin Luther King said when he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Yeah. And Enneagram eights tend to live with resentment. Uh-huh. And so I believe that when Enneagram eights can start to show vulnerability mm-hmm. and, you know, just go ahead and let that light shine. We don't need to take upon the shame that we feel on a regular basis and let that send a message that we are a bad person or we are wrong. Instead, we might do something wrong and that offers some level of transformative shame because that's, you know, simply the difference between right and wrong.
1: Yeah, which obviously is fundamental from the work you're doing with the Crucible Project. Mm-hmm. So let's, you know, we've had a Crucible Project on here before. We've had um, Chris on, Chris has been on, Kenny Valentino has been mm-hmm. on and all that. So why don't you just briefly
2: uh Tell the audience, again, what, what Crucible's about. Yeah. So, the Crucible Project, in my version of it, is, uh, you know, we're an organization that really helps men to see themselves, maybe for the first time, uh, to, to be able to see transparently their behaviors, what we call shadow behaviors, which are, you know, in, in the Christian world, that's sin. You mm-hmm. know, in the Jungian philosophy is that that shadow and sin are, are synonymous. And so we help people to see themselves and their behaviors so that they can start to rewrite a different story and get past the emotional blocks that get in the way of them truly living the life they want to live. Right and the weekend is such that there's an there's an arc very much like the the Christian life that there mm-hmm. is a there is a death that occurs mm-hmm. and then there's an unbelievable ascension. Right. And a lot of the men come on our weekends and they walk away saying I've never had this much hope in my life. Yeah. And it changes their lives to actually step into their life, their leadership, their you know being a father, being the right the husband that they want to be. Right. in a very different way and you've taken on a bigger role in that now a leadership role right i have yeah i've um i've really spent a lot of my time focused on helping the organization from a strategic standpoint i'm on the board help them in a couple of different areas such as putting a strategic plan together uh with some urban uh an urban cohort of men mm-hmm. uh, really want to see this take off more in the urban setting, because what I'm finding is is that African-American men and other men of color mm-hmm. uh, say, in the real world, we can't experience what we experience in the crucible community. The crucible community winds up breaking down the walls and dealing with racism in a way that they just simply do not experience out right. there in the real world. Yeah, you find out that you're, we're all, all in the same boat, we're all children mm-hmm. of Christ,
1: so yeah. that that's really profound. Well, I, I touched some, on something earlier, and that's your—you uh, you, you know, your, a terrific hobby and interest, and uh-huh. also even a, a res, kind
2: of a resort or an area that you go to. Why would you share with the audience what that's all about? This crazy, yeah. funny, interesting, cool yeah. thing you do. Yep. So, I, years ago, I used to take customers hunting. My dad had a ranch down in Arkansas, and so I built a lot of relationships over mm-hmm. hunting. And, um, and so I always thought it would be neat if we could create a real premium type of hunting experience. And so a number of years ago, I was able to pick up a property, uh, up in the, it's, it crosses the border of the UP and Wisconsin. And so we have a, um, a lodge and a hunting operation for both whitetail and elk and birds and there's lakes on the property. And so, wow. yeah, it's a pretty special place. Yeah. How long have you had that? So I think we're approaching seven years now. Now, you do something pretty special
1: with that because you, you uh, even you hunt and kill, but you're using that
2: meat. You're using everything on yep. the animal. So what's one of the things that you're helping with? Yeah, so a lot of times what we'll do is if we have additional meat, because Mm -hmm. with a herd like that, we do culling of the herds, which means to take out certain genetically deficient animals. And so we're able to then process that meat and give that to local food pantries Ah, in that area, which is not something you could do down here, but you can in the the north woods. Uh And so we're able to give that meat away. We're also beginning to uh, step into... uh bringing people on hunts that would not have that opportunity, ah, such as, yeah. you know, Wounded Vets is an area that we've been yeah. exploring now, brought a, a gentleman in in the last year that had lost an arm mm-hmm. and a roadside bomb. And it really brings life into a Wounded Vets uh, existence that he yeah. hasn't had since, as, he, as they say, when we got taken out of the fight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also, as you shared with me, being a bow hunter, mm-hmm. that uh, you got to commune with nature. Yes. Yeah, Sitting up Correct. there
2: at the stand and watching
1: what's going on. That's yeah. that's way cool. I, I love it. It's just so special. Um, the Crucible Project is at the core of a lot of things that you're doing now. Mm-hmm. And, and the
2: business is doing well, right? Yeah. Under your leadership. Yeah. Uh so, what's the future hold for you? Just very briefly? Yeah. so my real focus right now has become more about ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I've been stepping away from the business more and more each day. Um, I have been engaged in helping to lead weekends, and so I travel around uh, the country to to help staff weekends. Um, and I really want to help the organization to reach more men because. So i found out about Crucible real quick. In the uh, Remaining seconds the, here. Yeah. So the CrucibleProject dot org Yeah. And how many how many uh, places do you have now around the country or world? Oh my gosh, uh, I'm I'm not sure. Kenya, Mexico, right. Australia, everywhere. Right. Yeah. And expanding
1: yeah. bul- unbelievably here in the U S. Correct. Right? Hey, well, folks, uh, I want Gail out there and text 224-404-1988 for our giveaway gift, and the keyword is gift. We got lots of good stuff out there, so make sure you just text us and the keyword gift, and we'll get it off to you, okay?
0: We're going to be right back with Ken Cox in our next segment. This is Chicagoland's place to inspire, equip, and encourage Christian business leaders Faith Marketplace Radio. <clears throat> hey, we're back here again with my special guest, Ken Cox,
1: uh, Cox Family Holdings CEO. And our special subject today in this segment is, do you reward your employees for innovation? Now, obviously, I got a guy here who's a very innovative guy, so I'm gonna, I'm really interested in hearing about uh, that mm-hmm.
2: innovation piece here and how you might reward your employees. Yeah. Yeah. So we like to reward employees across the board. Okay. Uh, and yet, there are specific folks within the whole innovation team that we create special programs for. At okay. Times. So, we will have a uh, a long term deferred comp program, other things that we will create to help them to incentivize them so that they can actually be part of the su- the success of products that they have on not only developed but also helped commercialize.
1: Yeah. So you know, this has come up quite a bit. Uh, about, you know, innovation is uh, uh, kind of an interesting term. It takes a lot. But what do you do around helping them to, uh, you know, face failure in innovation? To face failure in innovation. Yeah, because there's, as you know, like with the great story about Edison, 999 mm-hmm. times failed to do an a right. light bulb, right. and then finally on a – so, what do you have anything in place like that that you encourage your people to? I know several companies encourage
2: them to get out there and just try stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I haven't been involved, engaged in that that element of the operation for a long time. But mm-hmm. when I was, we were reading a lot of resources around innovation, and we knew that we had to have a certain number of products in the funnel. Right. Uh, and we knew a lot of those were going to fail. Mm-hmm. Now, helping prepare for for that, I'm not sure exactly, <laughs> but uh, but we do know. <laughs> That, uh, yeah, give, giving a hunting analogy, if I can, right, I'm, sure. this may be offensive to some people. They say the more lead that's in the air, you know, <laughs> the more likely the you're going to strike something. Uh-huh. And that's not the way I hunt, folks. But, right. uh, um, Especially
1: but, the bow and arrow. Absolutely,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, but that is something that we've recognized is quite important, is that we have to have a full innovation funnel Right. So that because once it narrows down, we're going to have very few products that make it through. Now
1: well, I know there's a lot of different theories out there. I've been reading quite a bit on, on how you go about innovation. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a great word, but how do you actually practically apply it? And are there systems and methods or things around that? Now, you being a person of innovation, is there a process that you go through when you're innovating? And you
2: so when I was it? doing it, yeah, um, I would uh, yeah, I would map it out. Um, But now our systems are so much more detailed. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't even explain them. They're so detailed. But we have an entire pipeline uh, structure that we use. Okay, And so there's timing associated with uh, what needs to take place at each stage, Mm -hmm. you know, from the product development side all the way to the field testing. And so um, I love what we're doing on that front. And yet it's so detailed. I can't even begin to explain it. (laughs) Well, you know, one of the
1: things that came out in this this, uh, particular segment here was to foster a climate of creativity, develop an employee suggestion system that offers rewards for ideas that are implemented is there anything like that are you doing anything like that
2: yeah i I know that we do have some programs in place right now that's really helping people to feel a part of the whole innovation cycle and so that goes all the way into the plant as well and so uh, these are people that have been engaged in these uh, in the company itself Mm -hmm. and in products but they have a different detached perspective rather than the sales guys or product development guys so they're also encouraged to be a part of that as well but this big innovation that you had, water saving kind mm-hmm. of thing, how did that spawn or how did that how did that start? Yeah, so a few of our our product development folks uh, took some concepts that they had in a few different um, area market areas, and they thought, boy, if we could incorporate these, we think that we could have a delivery system that would help the performance of pesticides, and then also. Uh, bring about water retention all at the mm. same time. And so wow. the key was when you have competing chemistries is finding right. a way to get them to work together. Yeah. And so they spent quite a long time and they were able to take some very novel molecules and be able to make it happen. Yeah, so you got really scientists
1: working in your mm. business, right? We they do. have to be. Yeah. yeah. And for a kid that didn't like to study or do anything, it's amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> obviously you're employing those people now, right? Yeah, That that have, that, that have all that education, have yeah. all that stuff going on for them. Uh, let's talk. Let, let's veer a little bit here onto Crucible. What's going on innovative wise with the work you're doing with men? What do you where do you see things happening there? Are there changes or things that you guys have been doing, or is this just stuff that's been Rooted in a lot of scientific work and behavioral and and neuroscience that it's just
2: too solid to be screwing around with. Yeah, all of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, there are a number of things that we've been doing to really study the church Mm -hmm. and to see how the church operates and how we can – Team up more with the church and then bring our work in, because we've had churches that have talked about that have embraced this. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have many. uh, This is a sad thing about Christianity, but you don't have many top pastors who are willing to actually go on a weekend and to place themselves in a fish bubble. Yeah. What they're concerned with but we do have those pastors out there and they've gone on weekends and then they've embraced it and then i've talked to some of them and they've said ultimately that the crucible project has become a part of the dna of their church
1: yeah as a matter of fact i, I belong to one of them that's a chapel mm-hmm. uh, yes so we have had a number of our men and also our pastors go through it and uh, it's been a, a big sea change kind of a thing for the men in that i i, I don't know how many men we've had now that could have gone through that mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's a it's been a big deal uh, you know, and this is an interesting body of work, particularly that you're getting down under these layers that men build up over years and years and years. You just keep layering it on because you got to stuff those things down. Those are feelings, you right. know. Can't have the feelings if you're a guy, right? Right. Can't cry. you got to be tough. Suck it up, you know, and all that kind of stuff yeah. and stuff it down. So it, it doesn't surprise me that this work you're doing now and the, something that I personally, uh, you know, found – uh, yeah, I I got a big 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 shout out for this work because in one weekend I got to a systemic issue, a family issue. Mm-hmm. And a uh, in a in a wound that uh, i have been pushing down for a long time, yeah. and it just came gushing out, you know, and what relief that was! But it's a continuum. Would mm-hmm. you agree? I would. I mean, it's just like exercising yeah. or anything else that you do. This is a continuum. This work that you do, and the transformation for me has been profound. But also from uh, people that I'm surrounded with and yeah. other guys that I've seen go through this thing is great. Now you have a women's program too. Let's don't let the ladies
2: out of this. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So yes. What's that all about? So we have some well, some key ladies that have been doing this kind of work that have mm-hmm. now joined the team at Crucible Project and are bringing this to women. Okay. And so we had seen a major vacuum occurring in areas where we, you know, we had a presence, right. where women were being left behind. Mm-hmm. And now we see husbands and wives doing this work and then even doing a couples type of work in other settings. And it yeah. has enriched their marriages and brought about greater intimacy into me you see, you know, where yeah. they're seeing inside of each other. And women want to be seen. right? And yet we as men, if we have too much junk and layers, right. we don't make the vulnerable attempts to actually see them. Now, I understand the founder and his wife are really leading some of this, right? The, the marriage? They're not part of, of the crucible ministry, but they are doing a Dare to Soar program. Dare to Soar, that's right. for couples. Yeah. And yeah. amazing. I've done the weekend with my wife. It opened my wife up to what we do. So. That's yeah. great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice to be equally yoked, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of get in this boat together. Because as men, we can get pretty passionate. About stuff Mm -hmm. as women do, Uh, but when we find this this new discovery, you know this this whole way of being that we we weren't used to, Mm -hmm. you know, breaking out of this macho thing and you know understanding that you can be vulnerable, uh, and particularly with with men. Yep. that's a tough one, but boy, I'll tell you, the walls really come down. Three short days, man. When I went on that, it just like boom. Yeah, you know, shedding this, you could see the relief, uh, the body language change, just all these wonderful, magnificent things that I experienced, plus the guys that were in my cohort experienced. And I got to tell you guys, uh, this is wonderful. The staffing is incredible mm-hmm. for this thing, yeah. and that uh, was more than one on one because I had thirty seven in my cohort, and it was forty five staff. Uh-huh. so it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was a, it, it was kind of in my way of thinking it that you guys get serious about this that are really you want to take care of people in the way that you do is is really profound for me so yeah. i don't know if i could give you a bigger shout out or not ken yeah. but guys get out there check it out the crucibleproject.org i'm big and also convene we didn't talk about yep. that but convene also these peer-to-peer groups christian peer peer group I was in C12. There's a number of these things out there, so I encourage you to do that. Hey, well, listen, we want you to get out there and check out all of our podcasts. I know that you're busy on a Saturday morning. Get out there, check the podcast. you got no excuse. You can download the app. You can listen to the podcast from anywhere in the world, okay? So, again, Bob Lambert, Faith Marketplace Radio, every Saturday noon to 1 o'clock here on AM 1160.
0: Hope for your life.